Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. All right. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Well here at SCSA. Uh, if you're just joining us, we are in part two of a series called In Everything, A Life of Thanksgiving. Um, and for those who are with us last week, we discussed why this is such an important uh, spiritual weapon to have in our back pocket. Um, this is kind of like a keystone habit or one of the most uh, underutilized spiritual weapons, whatever you want to call it, um, and it can really alter the way we live our lives. And last week, we discussed uh, our memory verse for the week that we read together was St. Paul from 1 Thessalonians, here it is, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And what we talked about last week is that this is God's will for our lives, that thanksgiving is God's will for our lives. And because it's God's will for our lives, we would think that if I want it and God wants it, it's going to be easy. But there's another factor at play, and we talked last week about that the enemy comes into play as well. The reason that this is God's will for our lives is because as humans, this is the best way we function, okay? If you ever met somebody who's dealing with like some negativity or bitterness and just something that they just can't get over, you'll notice very quickly like, especially if you are close with the person, that's not really the person. Like you're looking at somebody, but that's not really them. The best way we function, the way that God designed for us to function is to be able to give thanks and live that life of thanksgiving. That means during the good times, that means during the bad times, that means when things are smooth, when things are rough, when there's ups, when there's downs, whatever it may be. And last week, if you remembered, we discussed uh, how easy it is to get wrapped up in negativity, and we looked at an example in Scripture, and it wasn't too far, okay? And I'm going to, I know we're recording today, but I still want some interaction. If you remember last week, we read a lot from the book of Exodus. Very good. One person. Very good. We're on, we're, on, we're on a good start here. So we read from the book of Exodus, and we read in the book of Exodus, we read chapters 14, chapters 15, not the whole thing, but parts of it, chapter 16, and chapter 17. And what we saw was over and over and over again the same thing. People would complain, God would deliver them. People would complain some more, God would deliver them. People would complain again, and then God would deliver them. And over and over again, and this cycle didn't stop. And those consecutive chapters, what they told me and you, is that complaining or negativity, which is the opposite of thanksgiving, it's not necessarily circumstantial, it's a mindset, it's a way of life. And hopefully last week, everybody had time to go through that homework assignment that I gave you, um, and there were three things that I told you guys that we're going to focus on last week, and just to kind of remind ourselves here, we talked about three things, okay? So the first one was... Pretend like you, you remembered and it's not right in front of you in the screen. The first one was recognizing our negative tendencies. Second one was renewing our minds. The third one was rejoicing in God's gifts. Very good. So those were the three principles. And we talked about that last week. And you're probably thinking, okay, great. We laid down the foundation. We know what we have to do. You guys are good. You're set. Everybody had a good Thanksgiving week. Okay, everybody had like a good life of Thanksgiving last week. No problems, right? No problem, it's easy. Thanksgiving is easy, right? Well, here's the thing. What you probably found is similar to what I find, is when I am proactively, and, I'm, and I have this mission in mind that I want to live this life of Thanksgiving, naturally, things are going to come up. Naturally, there's going to be opposition. Things that are going to try to weigh me and you down. 
there's always going to be that opposition. And I was even joking uh, with my wife this past week. I was telling her, remind me next time that I'm going to choose a topping to kind of be a little more careful, okay? <laughs> like last week, and it's kind of just like on the tip of your tongue, and you're going to, you know, complain or say something negative. It's like, no, 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 life of Thanksgiving, like life of Thanksgiving. And maybe you realized this this last week as well. You're being proactive. You're actively trying to live this life of Thanksgiving, and you realize really quickly that it's really easy to fall back into that negativity. But again, this is a great spiritual weapon. If we can hone in on this, if we can kind of sharpen that in our, in our toolbox here to have Thanksgiving as our foundation, this is huge for us. And in those moments, if we're being honest, in those moments where we have negativity, and not just because it, we're just being negative, but if things around us, if we're being honest, and any objective person would look around us and say, the circumstance that you're in is tough. You want to be angry. You want to be sad. You want to be bitter. Like there's something inside us that almost like wants that, like that, that longs for that. And it's weird because we know it's not good for us. And you're probably thinking, and if you're, this is you today, by the way, if you, if you came to church today and this is like something that's on your heart, so you're going through something, you're angry, you're upset, you're sad, whatever. Coming here and realizing that we're talking about Thanksgiving, you're probably thinking to yourself, that priest is really annoying, okay? And to that, I would say you're, no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't say that, okay? But, but in all seriousness, that's probably how we all feel. That's probably how we all feel is we don't want to hear about Thanksgiving when we're going through the tough times. We don't want to hear about that. Let me be angry. Let me be bitter. But again, that is not the way that we are called to live. Today, our message, our overall message for today is this, and we'll do an exercise at the end to help us with it. It's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. If the goal is Thanksgiving, and last week we kind of laid the foundation for that, today's goal it's to kind of remove any barriers that are in our way to living that life of thanksgiving. And it starts by letting it go. When we let go, okay, of bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or whatever is going on in your life that's weighing you down, that's when we actually allow room for God to work. That's when we give God and the Holy Spirit the space to work. And again, this could be a situation where you're angry with God himself, okay? Just a series ago, we, we looked at, at, at Naomi and how she was angry with God. It could be a situation where you're angry with God himself. And you're saying, God, why would you let that happen? Why wouldn't you resolve this problem? It could be a situation where there's fear involved and you're holding on to fear. And that fear won't let you feel anything or experience anything. Definitely not a life of thanksgiving, but you're just holding on to fear, holding on to anxiety, maybe holding on to frustration, whatever it may be. For us, for all of us, the goal this week is to pray about the process of letting it go. Last week, we talked a lot about the people of Israel, and we kind of talked a little bit about Moses. So I wanted to bring Moses up again just to kind of see how Moses struggled with this himself, okay? If Moses, what we clearly see in Moses, okay, Moses was, uh, he had this thing in his heart where he hated to see the people of God suffering, he hated to see his brothers and sisters suffering. And that's why Moses committed murder. Okay, Moses committed murder. And when Moses committed murder, what we find out about Moses is Moses was definitely afraid. We see that in scripture that he was afraid. Maybe he felt a little guilty as well. You know, murder is not like an easy thing to, to deal with. But he felt afraid. He had this guilt inside of him. And if you were to ask Moses at that moment what he wanted out of his life, like what is the one thing, Moses, that you want? Very simple. Moses wanted to hide and disappear. Moses wanted to hide and disappear. Moses wanted nothing from anyone. For, and that's why when we pick up the story again with the burning bush, Moses in the middle, is in the middle of a place and he is just like doing his own thing, shepherding like a couple of sheep. Like he's not worried about anything or anyone. Moses 
wanted to disappear. Moses didn't, he had this thing that was weighing him down. He wasn't living the life of thanksgiving. He wasn't free. He wasn't allowing God to work, but he was just out there in the middle of nowhere and wanted to disappear. And of course, in that situation, God, because he loves him, calls him out. And very reluctantly, we see Moses' response, okay? So this is the, the passage in the burning bush. This is the passage in the burning bush. And this is what Mo- God is speaking to Moses, and he's explaining to him what's going on. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. If you're Moses at this point, you're thinking, whoa, God has the same, like God has the same heart as me pretty much. Like I wanted this for my people. This is great news. Like God has seen his people. God has heard their cries. This is fantastic. God is going to deliver them and give them land. Like this is amazing. This is like Imagine the, the craziest encounter, okay, already the, the burning bush, and he's talking to God that's already crazy, but then he's saying, the same thing that I had on my heart, God is saying, he's saying, yeah, yeah, I have that on my heart too. So he's probably like, this is amazing. But here's the problem. Next verse. Come now, this is God speaking to Moses, come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? In the beginning, the message was great. The message was fantastic. God, we're on the same page. Yes, deliver your people. Great. You're with me, Moses? I'm with you, God. You're ready to go? This is the best news, God. Thank you so much for hearing the people. Okay, now you go. Well, (laughs) that's where we got to slow things down a little bit. What do you mean I go? Like, who? I'm going to walk into Pharaoh's palace thing and tell him, let the people go? Like, that, that's asking. And remember, like, Moses is pretty much like a fugitive, okay? Like, like he committed murder and he left. So now God is saying, no, I'm going to send you, Moses. You go. I promise you, and you probably have all felt this, when you're in a state, when you've, like, disappeared, you've isolated, you just want to remain hidden, okay? You just want to remain hidden. So God, telling this to Moses, all that fear, all that anxiety that he's been holding on to, oh, he's going to hold on to that thing tight. God is going to have to rip it away from him. The conversation continues into Exodus 4. And basically, Moses, being afraid, he says to God, he says, how are the people going to know that, you're gonna, that, you're, that you sent me? And he says, well, you're going to do this sign and this sign. Okay, God answers that question. But then he says, well, you know, God, like, I don't have the gift of speech. Like, I can't really speak that well. And God is like, I'm the, mouth, I'm the person who creates speech. Like, I created your mouth. What are you talking about? I'll be your mouth. Just go. And then Moses finally kind of gets to the bottom line, and Moses says, can you just say somebody else? Like, I don't, like what are we doing here? Like, can, you know I'm not the person to, to do this. Like, can you just send somebody else? And then God gets a little frustrated, okay? And God says, go ahead and take Aaron with you, okay? And the reason that I wanted to show this example of somebody struggling to let something go, and in this case, Moses, it was, it was his fear that he was holding on to, The reason I wanted to show this example is not because Moses did a good job. Moses doesn't do a good job of letting go in this situation. Truthfully, what this shows is the patience of God. It doesn't show that Moses did a great job in this situation. Like, it's not like Moses is like, okay, God, I know this is going to be hard. I'm ready to go. No, like, Moses brought up excuse after excuse after he didn't want to go. And who would blame him? Like, he didn't want to go. 
but it shows us the patience of God, that God, little by little, taking him step by step. God is telling me and you, just as he was telling Moses there. And that's why God worked with him with every excuse that Moses presented, God offered a response. God is telling us, when it comes to letting go, just take a step. Just take one step. Just take a step. Nobody's saying you're going to solve that problem tomorrow. Maybe you're, you're, you have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, maybe a family member, a friend, whatever it may be. And God is saying, you're not going to solve that tomorrow, but can you take a step? Can you just take one step? Can you say, I want to let it go? Can you, can you say that with, with, with your mouth? I want to let it go? Maybe it's the fears, the anxiety. Maybe it's control. I love having control in my life, and control makes me feel safe and secure. Can you say a prayer where you say, Lord, I know this control thing. I like it. It makes me feel safe, but I know it's not good for me. Help me let it go. Can you take a step? God is so patient, and he's so loving, and he takes us step by step with everything that we do. Psalm 37 tells it to us like this. It says, our steps are made firm by the Lord. When he delights in our way, though we stumble, we shall not fall headlong, for the Lord holds us by the hand. We're his children. He takes us step by step. Sometimes we're going to stumble. We're going to stumble. Me and you, we're going to stumble. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. And even in the process of letting go, sometimes I'm going to fail. But God is telling me and you, just take a step. Right now at home, to kind of make this a little bit more relatable, we have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, okay? And they could be, they're polar opposites, okay? Like complete polar opposites. And our one-year-old, Ezra, okay, he is the, what I call it, he's like, the, he's the fun. He's the fun guy, okay, in the house, okay? So he likes to have fun in the house. And he is crazy, okay? Like he'll die for things. He's fearless. Like he'll die for things and he'll do some crazy stuff. So recently, we've been trying to help him, like, walk a little bit more, okay? So he's, like, at that age. We're, like, we want him to start walking and stuff. So what I'll do is I'll hold him by the hand. And even though he's fearless, what I see, okay, naturally, you're learning how to walk, is that he's looking at me. He's, like, you better not let go. <laughs> so, like, so, like, I'm holding him by the hand. He knows what's in my mind. I'm, like, I'm going to probably let go for a second. <laughs> and he's, like, you better not let go. So we're kind of having this, this you know, communication inaudibly, okay? And we're, I'm holding him by the hand. I'm holding him by the hand. And sometimes I do let go for a second. I let go for a second, and he stumbles. And he looks at me, and he's like, you are. <laughs> and he just to, so, and then pick him up, okay? We said, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. Why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? It's because I, I hate my son. I want him to suffer. No, I'm teaching him how to walk, right? That's God with us. It's little by little, step by step. God is taking us. And sometimes we feel like, God, you left us. What are you doing? God's like, I'm right here. Just relax. Like, you're my child. I don't leave my children. What kind of father leaves their children? You're my child. You're forever mine. The reason we have to try to let these things go, step by step, taking that, that first step, the reason we have to do that, because in the long run, the things that weigh us down, they're really hurting us. They really gnaw at us. If it is the will of God in Christ Jesus that we live a life of thanksgiving, if that, if that is the will of God, those things that weigh us down are barriers to that. And if we're not living that life of thanksgiving, we're not operating, we're not functioning the way that God designed us to function. Right after that verse, our memory verse, St. Paul tells us in the very next verse in 1 Thessalonians something interesting. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That's the memory verse. And then there's no, like, introduction to this verse. It just says, do not quench the spirit. It almost feels like, almost feels like you're reading the Proverbs. That's what it feels like. It feels like something there is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus to give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. 
And you're like, where, where did this come from? I think part of it is because if we're not operating the way we're designed, if we're not making room for God to live that life of thanksgiving, we're quenching the Spirit. You know, when it says quenching the Spirit, what, what that basically means, like a better translation, is like quenching is like extinguishing a fire. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a fire living inside of us. And he's that fire that wants us to make us more and more like God. And God looks at us not the way that we look at us. God looks at us and says, you don't understand how much potential I created you with. You don't understand that I designed you for greatness. Like we like to think of ourselves down here and God says, I didn't design down here. I didn't make mistakes. I make masterpieces. I make great works of art. Like look around you. Look at the mountains. Look at the sky. I don't, I don't create things by accident. That Holy Spirit, that fire that's inside of us, that's his job, is to make us more and more like Christ, to, to help us live in that potential that God created us to be. But how we quench the Holy Spirit, how we extinguish that fire, is if we're not living a life of thanksgiving. And specifically for us today, is if we're refusing to let certain things go in our lives. And I'm not saying just let it go, snap your finger and be done, but at least have the intent. At least say, God, I want to let it go. This is often why we might feel stagnant in our spiritual lives. We feel like God's not working, God is absent, and God is saying, no, I'm right here, but you're putting barriers between me and you. Don't put any barriers between us. And again, I know this sounds hard, but, and especially on on like your circumstances and things like that, but what I'm not saying, don't, don't like misunderstand what I'm saying today. I'm not saying do this on your own. I would never claim, like this is not a thing about like willpower. No, no, no. I'm saying you do definitely have to like put in the effort. Of course, there's the, like you have to put in your will. You have to put in your effort. But you can't accomplish it by your own effort. There's a saying that you may have heard before. Let go and let God. Has anybody heard this? Let go and let God. It's a famous saying. And this saying to me, actually explains this, this principle very well. We have to let God do the work that he wants to do in us. We can't keep living down here and saying, God, where are you? Putting up barrier after barrier, God's not working. Is God not working? Or are we the ones putting up the barriers so that he can't work? And again, this doesn't mean that we don't do anything, but it means that we have to rely on God's power and we have to remove, we have to make room for him to work. Another psalm reveals this truth to us clearly um, when he says the following. He says, but I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. We're going to break this down to three parts. And the sequence here is important. When the psalmist says, I am poor and sorrowful, that's the equivalent of us saying, things right now don't look good. Things right now around me, Lord, or maybe inside of me, they don't look good. Things right now, I'm struggling. Circumstances-wise, not great, okay? So it's not about like pretend that things are good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying things are not good. Like objectively speaking, things are not good. But then the second part, let your salvation or God set me up on high. What's that? That's letting go. That's saying, God, I'm relying on your power. I got nothing. I'm relying on you. I'm going to try. Whatever you call me to do, I'm going to try. But I'm relying on you. I need your power. And then the third part, magnify him with thanksgiving. This is not saying wait until God comes through and then magnify him with thanksgiving. This is saying right now, magnify him with thanksgiving. So Lord, I'm offering to you this circumstance. I'm offering you my spiritual state. I'm offering you whatever. I'm asking Lord for your help. I'm asking for your salvation. I'm asking for your power. And Lord, I thank you. 
I thank you because you love me, because you care for me. The sequence here is very important. It does not say, wait until you are delivered and then give thanks. In fact, we saw last week of the people of Israel, they waited until they were delivered, maybe give thanks for a second, and then complained. That's not how you develop the mindset. That's not how you, you, strengthen, you strengthen the spiritual weapon. That's not how you do it. One of my favorite passages is from uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, okay? I know people pronounce Habakkuk differently, but that's how I pronounce it, so just go with that one. So Habakkuk chapter 3, okay? And in Habakkuk, in Habakkuk it's only three chapters. Um, and it's one of my most favorite passages. It's at the very, very, very end. And the book of Habakkuk is basically him having a conversation with God, and he's saying, let's be honest, objectively speaking, situation stinks. I'm looking around me. This is no good. I'm looking around me. Everything seems awful. And that's kind of the back and forth. And he's saying, God, like all these bad things are happening. All these bad things are happening. And, and God's response is, more bad things are going to happen. Just kind of just sit down and wait. In Habakkuk chapter 3, at the very end, he says the following. He says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Repeat that part. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, he enables me to tread on the heights. It's the same sequence as we just saw in the psalm, in Habakkuk. Habakkuk presents his case. He says, God, circumstances are not good. I'm not going to pretend that they are. But then he says here, Lord, even though the situation is not good, even though I don't see the good right now in front of me, I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. This is how we get unstuck. In our spiritual lives, this is how we get unstuck. This is the formula. By letting go and saying, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I'm not saying circumstances are great. I don't get it. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. And I might not mean it when I first say thank you. But Lord, help me live that life of thanksgiving and let me remove those barriers that are between me and you. The temptation for us when we hear these verses, you say, yeah, that sounds nice, but that's not really me. Like, you don't know me. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I've been through. Like, that's nice, but that's not really me. There's a beautiful verse from Isaiah that shows us what God is doing, what God is capable of doing, even in the worst parts of me and you, in the worst parts of me and you. This is from Isaiah 51. For the Lord will comfort Zion. Zion is Israel or just the people of God. Okay, so this applies to all of us. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. What's the context of this in Isaiah? Is Zion or Israel the victim? No. The reason that there are waste places, the reason that there's wilderness, the reason that there's desert, the reason that there's garbage around is because of them. Not like they were pursuing God, they were following God, they were being righteous, and then they got attacked. No, it's actually because of them. And despite that, God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take your waste places, give me those waste places, and I'm going to turn that into, what does he say? Like Eden? 
what's like Eden? What's Eden? Paradise. I'm going to take those waste places and make it the most beautiful thing you could ever imagine. I'm going to take those waste places, those things that you think are of no use, of no value, the wilderness, the desert, the dry, the nothing, the garbage in your life, and I could take that and turn it into something beautiful. This is such a beautiful message of comfort that we have to hold on to. Because there's going to be times when we're tempted to think, God has done this for so-and-so. God has done this for so-and-so, but not for me. That's not me. God can't do that for me. And we might not say that, maybe openly, but we might believe it. And I'm telling you, that's not how God works. That's not how God works. In this case, they're at fault. It's not like even they're victims. Like at victims, you'd be like, God, come on, come through for them. We feel bad for them. They're not innocent victims. They're at fault. And God's saying, I'm going to take the waste places. I'm going to turn into something beautiful. The question for me and you is this. Do you believe that God can transform your waste places into his dwelling place? And again, those are the things we're holding on to. Do you believe that God can take the fear and give you courage? Do you believe that? Do you believe God can take the anxiety, the way that you're living life and stressed and whatever, and God can give you peace? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can take the negativity and give you a life of thanksgiving? Do you believe that? We have to be able to answer that question because a lot of us are going to again fall into that trap of, for someone, for sure. Like we hear about all the miracles, how, people, how people's lives are changed, and that's great. But do you believe that? And I'm not saying change every circumstance because some circumstances, God doesn't change. But even in the midst of that circumstance, do you believe that you could still witness to God a life of thanksgiving? Do you believe that's possible? Do you believe that could be you? If you don't believe that, then you're missing the whole point of the season we are currently all living in, the Christmas season. If you don't believe that God can take the waste places and turn it into something beautiful, then you're missing what the season is all about. What's the season all about? What's the season all about? God the King of kings, the holiest, the greatest, the most majestic, descends to earth and becomes man. And you would say, whoa, that's too much. That's too much. Oh my goodness. That's craziness. The king, the creator becomes man. That's craziness. But there's more. He's born to a family, a poor family, a young virgin, an old man. You're like, wow. He didn't even choose like a royal family. Well, it gets worse. He's born in that little manger. Nothing. Nobody even wanted to give him a place to stay in. That's the king of kings. That's the creator. He came down to a place that was nothing. A place that was void of anything. Desert, wilderness, waste places. that's, that's, That's the manger. And he comes down. And that manger, today, if we all had the opportunity to say, hey, would anybody like to go get a blessing from that manger? We'd all say, yes. Are you kidding? Christ, the King of Kings, is born in that manger? That's like the best place on the face of the planet. We'd say, that place is amazing. But that manger, that's all of us. That's our hearts. That's what God is trying to do during this Christmas season. It's not we're just celebrating, oh, Jesus was born in a manger. Yes. But he also is born here. He's formed in here. He wants to be inside of us. God is telling me and you 
that there's nothing too low for God. There's no place that's too low for God. It's like, God, that's, that, that's too dirty for you. Like, that's, that's not worthy of you, God. That's too unholy. God says, that's where I want to go because I take the unholy and I make it holy. That's how I work. I take the waste places and I make it something beautiful. Don't you get how I work? I take the manger and make it the most glorified place on the face of the planet. That's how I work. God is telling me and you today, you want to live this life of thanksgiving. Remove all the barriers. Don't worry. And whether it's in here, whether it's the circumstances, maybe you've done some, some things that you're ashamed of. And you're like, just can't get over that guilt and shame. And God's saying, just give it to me. Let me take care of it. Maybe it's just, the, again, like the stress or anxiety, unforgiveness, bitterness. Just give it to me. Let me take care of it. Our job is not to hide anything from God, but to present him with everything. No matter how lowly it may seem, no matter how gross it may seem to us, unworthy of him, it may seem to us. And he says, give me the waste places. I like the waste places. Let, let me show you what I can do. And now, it's an opportunity for all of us to kind of live that life. To show that we're not just going through the motions during, that Christmas season, during the Christmas season, but we're saying, God, we believe that you can do great things in all our lives and in the lives of those around us. So we might see circumstances that are tough around us, but we believe, Lord, that you could turn that waste place into something beautiful. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I believe you can do that. Maybe I look inside of me and I say, there's some stuff I don't like in here. But God, I know that you could take this and you can help me let these things go and you could turn it into something beautiful. What are we going to do now? Um, we're going to do a little exercise, okay? As we're, uh, we're early, we got some time, okay? We're going to ask our connection team uh, to pass out um, a few index cards, okay? We're going to pass out some index cards and a couple of pens. Um, and what we're going to do as, as, you're, as they're passing out these, these index cards and pens is we're going to take a couple of minutes, okay? And we're going to finish early today, so don't worry, you're still going to get out on time. Um, we're going to take a couple of minutes where you're going to pray and you're going to ask God, what are the things, Lord, that you're asking me to let go of? What are the things you're asking me to let go of? And keep in mind the picture of the manger. That God is saying, the waste places, things that you think are unworthy of me or whatever it may be, bring that to me. Present that to me. Don't worry. So as you're kind of praying about it and thinking about it, put whatever it is on your heart. And what we're going to do with these papers after we, uh, you guys write down your, you know, uh, and it could be, I have it here, I said, write down one thing. Okay, it could be a word, it could be a sentence, whatever it may be, a prayer, whatever it may be. Write it down. What is it that you're asking God to help you let go of? We're going to collect these papers. You're going to drop them off back at the connection well, afterwards. And when you do that, we're going to take them next Sunday, and we're going to pray on the altar with those prayers. Okay, we're going to ask God to help us let go of these things. Okay, so every single person, if you can, just, uh, and you can fill it out after we are uh, we're finished and wrap up in prayer. Um, but that's the goal. That's the goal of this Christmas season is we're making room for Christ. We're making room for Christ. We say we want to live a life of thanksgiving. We talked about last week. We don't want to live that life of negativity. We don't want to live that life of complaining. Okay, let me remove some of the barriers that might come in the way. Let me remove, because naturally there's going to be things that come up. So that's what we're going to want to focus on. And again, this verse that we read together from Isaiah 51.3, okay? This back-to-back times we were reading it off from Isaiah and Exodus, a lot of Old Testament stuff, okay? So we'll get New Testament soon, but um, a lot of Old Testament. So Isaiah 51, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. The joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. My prayer is that today, this season, the rest of our lives, that we never forget this. 
we never forget that that's who God is. We have a God that wants to do something great. Don't go to God and say, but like, I'm nothing, Lord. And that, that's what Moses was saying. Who am I that I'm going to go to Pharaoh? And God says, you're mine. What do you mean, who am I? Like, that's a strange thing. Like, you belong to me. You don't know what I can do through you. You don't get it. And that's all of us today. So my prayer is that we're going to take some time after we pray here together. Take a few minutes. Write down your answers. You have plenty of time. Okay, take your time. Take it back to the connection table and ask God, what is the one thing, one thing, and you can write more than one thing, but one thing that I want God to help me let go of. Let's stand for prayer, and then you can sit down and, and write. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your, your, your beautiful love for us, Lord, how you're always so humble, you're so patient with us. We thank you, Lord, for taking us step by step. We ask, Lord, that you help us pursue this life of thanksgiving. We all want this life of thanksgiving, Lord. We don't want to just live ordinary lives. We want to be on fire for you. We want your Holy Spirit to be a fire inside of us that's cleansing us, that's sanctifying us, that's making us more into your image every single day. We ask, Lord, that you help us remove the things that, that are the barriers in our lives between us and you, Lord, the things that we don't want to let go of, the things that we're struggling to let go of. I ask, Lord, that as we all present those things to you, that you accept our prayers, that you accept those prayers, Lord, from your children, knowing that maybe, Lord, we're not strong enough to, to just let those things go right, right away, but, but be patient with us, Lord, and take us step by step. We know you're a loving Father, and that's what you want to do for us. I ask, Lord, a special prayer for every single person that's here today, um, that you give them the, the, the wisdom and um, just the peace in their heart, knowing that when they are letting this thing go, that they trust in you and that they believe in your power, that you're able to do great things for us, Lord. Pray, Lord, all these things in your name, through intercessions of all your saints. Here it says, we pray thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.